Open the five bay doors, please, pal. All right, all right, all right. You're gonna need a bigger potion. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Look at the coast. We get together, have a few laughs. <laughs> a movie artist with Brad Patel and Gus Trapper. So I'm I'm here and Gus isn't. Last week I was sick, and Gus is here. This week I'm here and Gus can't be here. So, crazy. so at least one of us is consistent. Yeah. <laughs> Not it's naming good, any names. No. Good thing you're here. <laughs> we wouldn't have had a podcast for like months. It, it was like it would have been Brad talking to himself. It would have been like the Paul. Have you ever listened to Paul F. Tompkins solo podcast? He does. No, it's called like the Paul no. F. Tompcast or something. I'm not. Is it just him? Yeah, it's just him. And he'll do like characters, you know, that he does. Oh, wow. Do a whole conversation. And then he'll just play like ambient, like music and do these long, weird, like philosophical rants that are, oh. you know, like f- funny and kind of like deep, but, you know, also ridiculous. Um, I'm going to have to check that out. It's impressive. It's not something that I want to continue to listen to like every episode, but it's just like, dude, like fills an hour and you like, it's pretty impressive. He does it all by himself. Every week. Um, I don't know if he even still does that podcast. I honestly, it it was years ago that I listened to it. I actually don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I, I I don't either because unless I, I, I can only listen to them when I'm like driving yeah which i never do like right. i used to listen to a podcast to and from work in my commute yeah. so i would burn through a bunch doing that because like you know even though i live five miles away from the office sometimes it would take me like 40 45 minutes because the traffic in my area just no. gets so bad yeah i don't drive much so that's probably yeah because i walk to work so right um I, yeah so or like I, doing something mindless, you know, like editing photos, like something where you're not, yeah. it's not involving your like linguistic centers of your brain. Right. Or your super creative centers. You're just doing a repetitive task. It's like grunt work. basically. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I was listening to a podcast earlier. I have this After Effects project where there are 28 page flips, right? Uh, yeah. So I got to create and all the nested comps and you got to duplicate all the comps, right? Oh, like oh anyone's boy. worked with After Effects knows all of this stuff. It's like, there's no easy way. There are some plugins, I think, that you can duplicate a comp and it will like duplicate everything inside of it for you. Mm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. if you just duplicate a comp and then you edit the nested comp, it changes it across all the other comps. Yeah. Unless you duplicate it and put it back in manually. And there are plugins yeah, yeah. to fix that. But I don't. Anyway, yeah. stuff like that, I, I can you know, listen to a podcast, but. Cause I just finished that thing and that was yeah. like three weeks. And then a, the last week of it, like another thing fell in my lap. So I've, I've been working in after effects nonstop for like the last three weeks. And I'm I a mean, little burnt out on it. Yeah. Right after now. effects is like, it's probably only because it's kind of a difficult program to use. It's probably one of my biggest professional like strengths yeah you know what i mean just because it's hard to find someone who's like even just like proficient in it like yeah it's it's uh it's marketable for sure and um premiere too yeah and if you know after effects like you go into premiere and you're like oh my god this is so much easier (laughs) 
<laughs> like yeah. to do a lot of the same stuff. It's yeah. just like, why can't you make a hybrid between these two? And Premiere is, they have kept adding more and more features that are like things in After Effects, but um, yeah. Yeah. So Phantom Thread. Yeah. Speaking Sorry, of speaking fastidious I, I, uh, and very complicated uh, construction of a creative piece of art. Yeah, so I want to talk about process and I want to talk about uh, repetition and routine with mm -hmm. this film because I wonder how much, I wonder how autobiographical the character is. Oh, you know I mean? like, yeah, yeah. Somewhat. Because we're seeing like an artist at work and it just feels like like very the way it's portrayed is like almost love lovingly with uh just how they're showing his process right so i thought maybe there was some amount of uh autobiographicalness to it <laughs> whatever that noun is yeah well i don't think you could i don't think he could avoid it even if he was trying to, uh, in some respects, you know? Yeah. I, but do an intro and then we'll dive into it more. All right, gang. Uh, welcome back. Uh, our, we're continuing our uh, Paul Thomas Anderson marathon. There's two left. This and one more. Um, I'm excited for licorice pizza. Um, but this sounds, week, it it's, sounds disgusting. But I hope. Yeah, I. I don't particularly like licorice. I like pizza. But I hate licorice. I, yeah. If it was red vines pizza or like Twizzler pizza, maybe. Hmm. But black licorice. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. So Phantom Thread 2017, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis in his final performance, apparently, because he's retired now. He announced after this came out that this was his last film which is a shame since he's so good. It's insane that the main character in There Will Be Blood and Phantom Thread are played by the same person. I know. They're, they're so like, different. You could not get, like, they're, they're, they're actually very similar in some ways, but yeah. in terms of their, like, physicality and voice work and everything that Mannerism. isn't just, like, thematic, yeah, everything yeah. A, a person does while being alive yeah. is entirely different. So Daniel Day-Lewis in this film plays uh, Reynolds Woodcock. All right. And, like, can, can we, why, why, why? <laughs> yeah. You could have picked any name. A name which Paul Thomas Anderson apparently settled on because he, it made him laugh, which is, it's, yeah, it's totally not in keeping with the film though, because the film's like probably one of his least funny films, right? like yeah i think um if gus was here he would argue with you about that a little bit like the okay. more times you watch it the more amusing it is the more parts of it are funny but it's not like laugh out loud funny hardly I, ever i found it very romantic like yeah. and and loving and touching and the relationship that develops between reynolds woodcock and alma uh is there's so much unspoken between them there's so much yeah that they say with just looking at each other and that it's it's so 
deep like their connection i i don't know how they achieve that like the two actors on screen but like and without saying anything it's all like very non-verbal and I would like to see the script and and I, I wouldn't be surprised if Paul Thomas Anderson has very detailed descriptions of what each character is like thinking, you know, maybe, to, yeah, or maybe they talked about it, you know, um, I know that's the type of work that Reynolds it, would cut Daniel Day Lewis, Daniel Day Lewis, jeez, I, I kept <laughs> thinking, uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's too many three named people. I know. And and Paul Thomas Anderson's. That's why yeah. Gus and I just call him Paul Thomas. PT. Yeah. Uh, we know but, it's very method. Right. And, he yeah. he would have he it, for every scene he would have like what it was going on in his head, you know, kind of plan, planned out. But then he would have to kind of spontaneously go through that, you know, step by step. Um, yeah, method acting is is strange to me i don't i don't think that he, i could do it yeah he uh daniel t lewis famously method he he refused to be called daniel on set he everyone called him reynolds on set and never broke character apparently uh so yeah, so weird i mean i guess for a character like this it seems like almost like you'd have to though do you know what i mean because he's so particular yeah he's definitely in the head of the character at all times you yeah. know and like we were saying the the sort of loving portrait of process here like whenever he's doing he's a dressmaker so and he's top of his game you know he makes dresses for royalty but when you see him doing it there's lots of close-ups of his hands there's lots of uh there's lots of insert shots to show like the craft like the love for the craft is there like you feel from both the filmmaking and from daniel day lewis's performance like that's he he's portrayed as an obsessive artist basically in this right so it's like unreasonable as a human being but like revered as an artist you know what i mean like it, it, yes. his behavior if he wasn't this amazing artisan yeah. who cre creates these dresses like is abhorrent a lot of the time <laughs> yeah he is very fixated on routine which um you think he's like ocd i was gonna say it's a very sort of spectrum -y, like yeah some sort of neurodivergent yes so, sounds bother him at certain times and it, he can't focus you know oh like yeah adhd and just something. everything has to be just so in order for yeah. him to create so and for him to live too like even he yeah. can't he cannot tolerate any deviation from his routine as he plans it yeah uh which yeah is, a, is kind of a neurodivergent thing you know yeah. So I, I got a little bit of that. I, I maybe get a little bit of that from PTA as well. Like whenever I'm yeah, looking at interviews with him, he seems like he, he could be somewhat neurodivergent or maybe he has like a mindset like that when he's working or well, like, you know, it is a spectrum. So it's like, you know, like everyone's a little gay, like every, you yeah, know, exactly. at least a little gay. So I think everyone's at least a little, you know, on the spectrum, like it just how much. Yeah. And his his obsessiveness with like a subject, how deep he'll dive 
into a subject when, and then, you know, a lot of his movies come from that uh, as another kind of, you know, um, pointer in that direction. Yeah. Which makes me also wonder how much Reynolds Woodcock is. Right. If, if I was going to have an autobiographical character in a movie, I would not call it Reynolds Woodcock. I, that's just not. <laughs> well, you're not Paul Thomas. Um, yeah, I, I guess. That's... Yeah. So, um, yeah, the scenes, like his routine, whenever he has, like, there's a whole emphasis on breakfast. Uh, yeah. Yep. His his breakfast routine is very important to him. We see him at the beginning of the film. He has like a girlfriend that lives with him and he's done with her basically at this point. Yeah, but he he uh, he won't break up with anybody probably. You know what I mean? Like he just right. he, he, just, he just, just drives them away by being a dick. Keeps them around. <laughs> yeah. Until they leave on their own or his sister gets rid of them for him. But he has like a little name for her like my old so-and-so my old so-and-so is that what it was yeah a lot yeah it's like his little like yeah their little pet name his pet name for so his sister cyril is almost like his keeper like a little bit like she she handles all the stuff that would otherwise distract him right right so running the business getting the clients working with the salespeople, you know all of that stuff Um, all the left brain stuff yeah, she creates this insulatory world for him to do his art at the level he's doing it. And they have an interesting relationship as well. Yeah, they're almost like it, it when the, as when the movie starts, they're almost like one person. Like yeah. They function as one person. Yeah. Like two halves of the same brain or something. Yep. And, and so- then later on they kind of there is a kind of a split there because of Alma and her disruption of their routine yes so yeah we we get a good sort of baseline at the beginning of act one of what his life is like there's a lot again with his scripts a lot that's not said um which is good and smart there's you know again really smart set up to the characters really smart screenwriting what he's choosing to say and what he's choosing to imply and so the the films about their relationship his relationship with alma and how that affects both of their lives and uh how he changes he has he does have an arc he is kind of different at the end he learns to be vulnerable and he learns to tolerate some deviation in his routine he he lets he lets her in kind of in a weirdest fucking way yeah (laughs) uh and like the only way he knows how i guess really you know what i mean he like he doesn't want to lose her we'll get to it but yeah um that ending i want to talk about too and food there's a lot of food stuff a lot of the the unsaid stuff or isn't stuff there's stuff that's said that is they're talking about food but it's a replacement for yeah you know they're not really talking about food when he's ordering breakfast and he's like when he first meets her yeah such a great little exchange he orders a welsh rarebit and a poached egg it's not a welsh rabbit rarebit what's a rarebit it's like a. I looked it up it's like a piece of toast with cheese on it wow couldn't yeah, i just call it toast with cheese <laughs> well it's it's a it's, it's a, a welsh thing specific yeah, toast specific cheese or something 
like i hadn't heard the word rare bit in a movie since like 1912 i don't think <laughs> you're, oh you're a vampire i knew it <laughs> um also they didn't have audio you read it oh yeah <laughs> when he orders breakfast from her when they're first meeting yeah like there's lots of substitutions for like flirtation like he's flirting with her by ordering all of this uh like, like all of this weird big breakfast well it, i don't know if he like he is flirting with her he but it happens again when he's happy when he's happy he like asks for extra st stuff yeah like for breakfast he's like oh do we have cream oh do, you know oh yeah we got if you're gonna have porridge you gotta have cream i'm so happy there's cream in the house it's like yeah. dude quit talking about cream yeah uh but yeah it's like the happier he is the more stuff he wants to order for breakfast <laughs> yeah and and food is often used as a substitution so like when another example when they're fighting yeah and he's like i i like my asparagus with oil you made it's you made it with butter salt yet you yeah he's like i can't wonder he's like basically like i wonder i can't help but think about what it means that you knowing that i like my asparagus with olive yeah. oil and salt yeah. have decided to prepare it with butter anyway like what are you yeah. what are you trying to do to me yeah. you know he's like <laughs> like that's his way of saying like you're suffocating me yes like yeah just let me be me leave me alone <laughs> you know anyway I, and then the the breakfast scene too like a, they're eating breakfast and there i noticed really good sound design here oh too. yeah like, the first one the first breakfast that alma like stays over yeah there's like first breakfast a deliberate like she's buttering her toast and she he's like you're being too loud stop yeah. moving around so much you're moving around too much and she's like i'm just buttering my toast jeez she's like <laughs> <laughs> they in the sound effect the sound design there they made it really like oh really loud and then yeah. she's cutting the toast and the plate yeah. it's like someone's hitting a plate with a ball peen hammer yeah and he has a line there like it's like someone drove a train through the what something like that yeah like, yeah like, basically yeah like a like a bus through the yeah but and, then uh, um later too there's another breakfast scene where the sound effects are much quieter do you notice like later on well yeah like, because alma has learned how to butter her toast silently yeah and she's you can tell she's gingerly taking a bite she, like puts her teeth on it and like tilts yeah. the toast yeah so she, it doesn't crunch um you know and then there she drinks her tea you know she puts the cup down so softly that it doesn't make any clinking sound like her um cyril and alma both know at this point that's like one of the scenes where you see their connection kind of like where they're both kind of like managing him right and you see yeah. like cyril kind of starting to separate from him a little bit and yeah. like be on alma's side yeah anyway yeah there's great power dynamics the way they're depicted like oh, yeah the so huge power imbalance at first reynolds is like a famous artist who's super connected and super rich and alma's like a you know waitress um with not a lot of connections so but and no then, breasts and a little no, belly yeah. <laughs> so just like he likes them the scene where they uh like he takes her measurements that's like so <laughs> tell me about all right so it, the whole thing starts with he breaks up with this well he doesn't cyril brings up she's like hey 
I think it's time for what's her face to go. Plus, she's just sitting around getting fat, waiting for you to fall in love with her again. Yeah, just like uh, yeah, super I wrote brutal. That, I wrote that line down too. Yeah, but pretty funny. Um, yeah. like again, like that's one of the lines that like it's funny. You're not gonna like go like oh my god, you know. But yeah. you're like oh oh damn. There were several Thick lines burn. like that that I wrote down. Yeah, yeah. Like English burn though, really dry and very really... English burn. Yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> very polite, dry burn. Um. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, it's funny how much British humor is just people being blunt, like people actually saying the truth. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. so much of their culture is like avoiding saying the truth, avoiding yeah. saying things directly. So it's yeah. like when someone says something directly, you're like, oh, my God, they said it. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, it works, though. Yeah. So she says, why don't you go to the country like tonight? You know, like this, we got to, you know, start over. So he drives uh, in it's like he's driving like through the night, I guess. Right. And the sun's coming up. He gets gas. Yeah. And then he goes to the Victorian Inn or whatever it's called to have breakfast. And Alma like is so struck with him. She like runs into a table and almost drops her tray of stuff that she's cleaning up yeah. and they're smiling back and forth at each other and takes his order. She asks him to do a crazy order and he takes the, the order slip away from her and says, right. you know, well, you remember this? And she's I'm, like, yeah, I'm keeping like, this. I'm keeping this. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Weirdo. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm guessing this is like something he's done before. Like maybe they're all waitresses that he picks up. Yeah. Um, that's his, that's his move. His signature yeah. move. Right. Asks her to dinner. They go to dinner. Um, there's a lot, a little bit of a weird scene where he's like, I like to see who I'm talking to and like wipes her lipstick off. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, they're better. And she's, but she goes along with it. Yeah. And she doesn't really seem like freaked out or like, yeah. She's just like, oh, okay. Weird control thing there. Like, yeah, weird, like weird flexes. Red flag, him. red yeah. flag. Like, right away. I'm like, red flag, lady, get out of there. Um, <laughs> then he's like, um, do you want to go back to my house for a nightcap or whatever? They go to his big, like, country manor. He's got his dogs. They have a real, real weird conversation where they barely talk. Uh, yeah. She's, she says, uh, "If you want to have a staring contest with me, you'll lose." Yeah. And then he, he blinks like he, intentionally like blinks to be like, "Okay, all right." Yeah. Uh, it's giving a little there. Yeah, yeah. To, to be like, you know, and I think that that whole interaction there really intrigued him. Like he was already obviously intrigued, but he was like, "Oh, okay, she's not just like going to be totally passive," which I think. I don't think he really wants somebody that's trouble, quote unquote trouble, but you know, it's, yeah. it's more exciting. Well, they're, they're equals at the end. Cause like yeah. he's, he's used to being totally domination, like domineering over yeah. these, these relationships and having total control. Right. So that's learning to give up a little bit of control. Well, and this whole like ritual at the beginning here. So they're at the house and he's like, um, will you do something for me? You know, it's, it's this is like when your friend calls you and you're like, hey, will you do me a favor? Yeah. And you're like, all right, I got to hear what it is first. Bro. Right. Like, yeah. Am I helping you move or is this like, do you need me to like look something up for you on Google? Because your phone isn't working right, <laughs> you know, um, but so they go upstairs and he has her put on a dress like a, a muslin, like it's a pattern he's working on. Yeah. And then he's like, can I take your measurements? And she's like, okay. And then Cyril 
just shows appears up out of nowhere yeah, like just, it was planned yeah like she knew this was going to happen he, there was going to be a woman there later and she would wait quietly probably in her room or something in the manner until he, she heard them go to the attic and then she just shows up to write down the measurements and almost like what the hell is going on exactly like, yeah she doesn't say anything she kind of goes with it right well she's just like what is going <laughs> on and then and then he's like almost done and he's like you have no breasts just yeah. like yeah uh, oh that's a good thing Wait. it's kind of very specter of me too to just blurt out like a comment like that but yeah. he says he says oh no 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 it's it's perfect um yeah. and he's like uh uh it's my job to give them to you if i choose to so yeah. again another weird like red flag like control i'm thing, in control yeah. thing yeah. and then he like goes away and that's when cyril says the whole thing about like you have the perfect dimensions or form or whatever and she's like really and he's like yes he likes a little belly so yeah. it's like it's like oh you're a little pudgy in the middle and he likes that so. but that just that whole scene is kind of where we first see the dedication of the process like and their the, shorthand that cyril and reynolds have yeah a lot, a lot of there are a lot of shots of hands there close-ups writing um, and measuring and yeah lots of insert shots and you 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 they're documenting the whole process of it like but like she doesn't even label what each of the measurements are and he doesn't say them because they've done this so many oh, times yeah. you know he always says yeah. this one and this one and this one so she yeah. doesn't even have to she's just writing numbers writing numbers they have such an unspoken yeah it's like sharing a brain yeah you know so, so uh yeah that scene is sort of striking i thought in in the way it, it really shot is and the way it's acted and just how how weird but also how touching it is like i don't know how to it is we it, it is one of the weirdest scenes in terms of like how you feel watching it you know that i think i've yeah. ever experienced because but that's their like relationship blossoming that scene that's the that's yeah. the scene where in like a normal romantic comedy because then they go into the montage after that like yeah of like their their relationship is getting serious kind of montage so that's like the breaking the ice thing like the measurement scene well yeah like, i think it's like it's it's the her like submitting to the the like if you want to be involved in this circus of whatever this is yeah. like this is the kind of stuff you have to put up with and she like passes the test yeah kind of thing and she like kind of enjoys it you know what i mean like you can yeah. tell that she kind of there's she likes things about it and then there's but there are these little barbs that are thrown in by reynolds and cyril it's just like such a nuanced scene it's crazy like such yeah. a simple scene but it's so much happens like so much going on there. emotionally really yeah. shit like it uh, this whole weird three-way relationship is like created from whole cloth in like one five minute scene it's whole, whole cloth i like that oh yeah oh, i didn't mean I, to do a pun anyway um <laughs> it's it's like that scene that's that's what Paul Thomas Anderson, I think, like going from Magnolia through to this, the stuff he was doing in Magnolia to him, that's not challenging anymore. Yeah. 
frog so he's trying nah, to, I've done that. It's right. He's trying to find a new challenge. And it's like, how, how do you make boring shit? Super engaging. It's you like, know what I mean, it's almost sensual the way they shoot it too. Mm-hmm. No, it's definitely this... supposed to be like a weird kind of semi-erotic. Yeah. Like he's wait, well, like, I mean, maybe I'm just a pervert or something, but I did notice like, this is only like the third time I've watched it. Um, when he measures like from her, like clavicle to like her nipple and then underneath from her nipple to a rib cage. And, and she like, kind of like flinches at first, you know, yeah. but then like calms herself down and she's like, no, this, he's just doing his job type. But like, and like if Cyril wasn't there, she might have been like, ooh, hey, you know, like that, that having Cyril there makes it a whole other yeah. weird. It's like there's an, a third party observer to this weird pseudo sexual thing. Well, I got that vibe kind of from the whole movie that it's like, yeah, one of the most erotic, but not erotic in a weird way. It's like, the the way they shot it and yeah by the way no cinematographer like pta pta just was doing the camera stuff yeah and which apparently he did on uh licorice pizza as well so Mm -hmm. he he had been working with robert ellswit um but he wasn't available and Mm -hmm. instead of just hiring someone else he was just like well we'll do it live yeah i'm just doing the cinematography myself Pretty soon uh, he's just gonna be, just it's just gonna be he's gonna Kevin Smith it. It's it's he's a writer, director, and the cinematographer now for Producer. his movie. So yeah, yeah. so. That, Although he has he's sharing producer movie or producer duties more. Yeah, as it I goes don't know on, how you would do all that, like. Right, especially all the the money minutia stuff that the producers have to deal with, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway. Well. So yeah, the, it's just kind of, you know, the the look of it is like lots of neutral colors and lots of soft shadows. And it's just, it's the look of it is very sensual. And the, the, the subject matter is presented in a way of, it'd be like, I don't know, it's, it's it walks this weird line of like, it's, it's erotic. You almost never see them. You don't, I think you hardly even see them kiss. They might kiss a they, little they bit. They kiss the like end. two or three times. Yeah. So there's yeah. not like physical intimacy that's depicted, but yeah, the emotional intimacy is is so intense and really smartly done. Like, yeah, the emotional content of this is really mature. Like him as a filmmaker, I think he's just really matured so much since yeah the writing i mean this is this the screenplay for this is like literature it is like you know something that will would be taught in in a class as like oh one of the greats yeah you know like this is a movie that is written at the level of you know uh hemingway or uh you know one of the all-time you know classic authors yeah what is it the, the one line was uh the tea is leaving, but the interruption is staying here with me. It's staying right here with yeah. me, yeah. All these little lines like that that are just... That's a funny... That, that line made yeah. me laugh. That and was it, a, yeah, well, and it, like, the it creates these... The characters, you know what I mean? Like, a line like that gives Reynolds so much depth. 
Yeah. And and it also like it it's the opposite of what dialogue and things like uh Gilmore Girls does, which dialogue <laughs> like Gilmore Girls pisses me off because no yeah. one talks like that, yeah. right? Yeah. But in this movie, like no one talks like that except Reynolds Woodcock. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. you just the performance and the writing blend together so well that you completely believe it. And like, oh yeah, it does not seem like oh that guy's like putting on a show or like he's you know because sometimes in a movie there's a character who's like playing a character like yeah. Max Fisher in Rushmore. Yeah. Right. Like he's never really himself He in the, in Rushmore. Max Fisher is honest with people like three times. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but in this movie, like, yeah, he is just he's a genius, artistic weirdo. And like when he says these lines, these gems that I'm sure Paul Thomas Anderson spent like time, like, you know, crafting and just the right way. Yes, you know, Word and then smithing. Daniel Day Lewis, yeah, spent time to say how to figure out how he's going to deliver it just the right way. Um, that scene had similar energy to like The Shining a little bit. Like, remember the scene, yeah, the Shining yeah, yeah. when the the I'm gonna typewriter bring you, and she, yeah, I'm going to bring yeah. you a sandwich or that whole interrupting yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, similar energy, like, but The Shining is The Shining, and this is this, and like, right, <laughs> this I, is a romance, yeah movie like uh yeah the shining is not that it's a it's romantic you know it's just the weirdest way like this relationship yeah. i don't know i've seen articles online like describing the relationship as toxic would you say this is toxic i mean literally uh well uh, get, yeah. getting to the mushroom thing at the end but right like, just but in no i it's not it's not a healthy relationship but like neither of these people are capable of having a what we would consider a healthy relationship and let's be frank like every adult relationship none of them are flawless like they're all of our relationships are toxic something yeah. about the other person is always going to be bad for us but our what we're doing is our best to make it work. And that's what they're doing. It's like, yeah, they're both like bad people, but they figure out a way to like make it work so that they're at least containing they're they're taking, you know, I don't know. It's weird because it's not like they're they're like protecting the world from each other by taking their toxic traits and making them part of their ability to stay together yeah i think it's, it's as healthy as it can be like with these for, two for them. people right i yeah, don't know that they're even bad people i think they're just people you know well yeah are, i know but i mean like in movie terms yeah like again this is paul they're thomas anderson like doesn't write no no he doesn't write fantasy characters he writes yeah characters that are real so that have depth and people people are layered you know yeah. we all have good and evil in us and so then he's uh he's making a dress for a princess like royal like a royal wedding yeah, a <laughs> and uh princess of like belgium or something yeah and this is where we start to see the the cracks in the relationship we have the asparagus scene uh, where uh, Alma comes to Cyril and says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to cook him dinner and break his routine a little. And Cyril's like, no, you don't want to do that. I promise. And 
and she's like i'm gonna do that and that that's she lets her thing. do it so like yeah yeah <laughs> and that Which leads i think to is cyril the... like cyril i think that's yeah, the first time you kind of get an inkling that cyril maybe does have a certain affection for alma in yeah. a way that she had probably hasn't really admitted to herself yet because i i could totally see another one of these girlfriends wanting to do that and she's saying that's a bad idea and they're like no no i really want to do it and so just being like no yeah. we're not doing it yeah but okay. she lets alma do it and and i don't think she probably is even sure if she's doing it because she knows it's going to go badly and she wants alma to learn her lesson yeah. or if she's secretly hoping like that it works or you know it's probably that's what's so good about this movie is that you feel that kind of conflict within the characters like that they don't they're not even sure why they're doing what they're doing sometimes yeah so we get that's when that leads to the asparagus fight and then that leads into um the tea the mushrooms so he basically is like well go ahead and leave or what you know it's pretty it's pretty go bad back fight. to where you came from right basically. yeah like yeah. fuck off back to where you came from i think he says yeah basically so, implying she's like worthless in retaliation i guess i guess this this is what we're led to believe is that she's pissed so he she like poisons him basically well so we missed a part earlier in the movie it's set up that he has a big show and afterwards and she's being interviewed by somebody right there's this framing device of like the whole oh, movie oh yeah barely it's being, barely in there though right like, but it's it's very important yeah is that now who was interviewing her was that the doctor maybe it was the, was it the doctor i thought it was the doctor i think it might be the doctor so like oh because okay i think it probably what it probably is i'm this is just my theory that i just came up with right now yeah the doctor finds out that he's being poisoned and this okay. that's her explaining to him yeah. why she needs to keep doing it and why he needs to let her keep doing it yeah that was kind of what i got out of it too so right again Which i didn't really think it through that far previously one of these things that it's barely explained there is a framing device that i almost had forgotten about because it's so it only pops up like four times or <laughs> yeah something like that. but it's very very crucial moments so the what were you going to say the setup well to the earlier she explains to this the doctor i guess it's the doctor right that he has this big show and and he gets like sick afterwards because he like probably works himself yeah to 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 illness and and then she's like he gets very tender oh okay. he's very yeah. very kind and yeah. warm and open yeah right and so i think it's his she wants to get back at him but she's also remembering like oh when he's sick yeah. like he he needs me he wants me there he he's open he's kind yeah and so if i make him sick like i'll get the reynolds that i love back well that, that's what i got from the very the, the second time the omelet like when right because that seems very clear to me it's like okay like she he's allowing himself to be vulnerable the mushroom poisoning thing is like a metaphor for him allowing himself to be vulnerable around her i thought and also yeah. while addressing his his mommy issues because like he hallucinates his mom mother in one of the sick moments right the first time um, that she poisons him and then it's kind of it's vaguely implied that almost like surplanting his mother in his 
psyche yeah because there's a yeah there's a shot there where uh like she comes specter. out of a door yeah, yeah. And, and the mom is still there yeah but then like the next shot she's walking across the room and the camera's tracking with her and you're like oh is the mom still there and then she's not and then she's not yeah so i thought that was a very important character beat yeah um that just sort of that yeah like you said having it kind of take the place of the the mother figure and his right like, psyche and then that gives her the power to turn even cyril away yeah and the cyril's like okay we let him rest and then like cyril walks out of the room and instead of walking out of the room with her alma like closes the door and cyril's like wait what huh? yeah yeah <laughs> cyril yeah. kind of loses control there because she insists right. on bringing the doctor in and then reynolds tells the doctor to fuck off and yeah so alma yep. says well i guess you better fuck off then <laughs> yeah so that mushroom i mean that was my read on the mushroom thing it's like again like you meant they're using food a lot as like a metaphor so yeah the, mu the mushrooms are like his way of like opening up to her i guess if we're not because yeah, i think like he doesn't know how to just do that how to just be like vulnerable without making himself physically ill like yeah. he does you know he 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 can't do it um so he's willing to do that to keep this relationship that it's weird and fucked up but like they both want yeah and but he's considering like did i make a mistake at one point they get married so like she poisons his tea the first time he has this huge episode where he's sick and then they get married after that because he realizes they like that he moment. proposes like that like morning when he yeah. feels like better like the next morning she's yeah. sleeping on a on a couch all his staff have been up all night fixing a dress that he damaged when he like fell over on yeah it. that's that's right the princess's dress the princess's dress yeah. and then yeah. when alma is fixed helping fix it um she finds the thing that says like never never yeah. cursed that's right because there's she takes it out there's this whole like thing where he puts hides things in the clothes he makes right right and a whole wedding dress thing that he introduces the, the, for their first date yeah like he made his mother's wedding dress and that their nanny wouldn't refuse to help him because she it was bad luck you know people thought you wouldn't get married if you touched a wedding dress oh right yeah right but That's then his sister helped him and she never got married so there's this whole kind of mythology about wedding dresses so he he's got to sew this little you know embroidered piece of cloth that says never cursed into the princess's dress and alma takes it out now was that for the princess's benefit or for cyril's i don't know because like i maybe I, both I was trying to decipher the meaning of never curse because yeah maybe it, for alma too like if alma was gonna touch it you know yeah or, or just all, yeah. i guess just anyone like that left him with this superstition right so he didn't want to be responsible yeah for anybody never getting married and you can tell alma's like trepidation at touching the dress yeah too you know so it's like oh here she's like can is there anything i can do to help and they're like oh can you you know sew this thing and she's like okay yeah <laughs> like gingerly walks up because she's remembering the story you know 
Cyril's got a great line there too, where they're, she's like, when will this be ready? And they're like, I, they they say something and she's like let me rephrase this will be ready yeah, this at, will be ready at, yeah at 9 a.m yeah. yeah when he says it's like shit or something doesn't he say it's like terrible yeah he he's not happy with it there no so it is a weird dress like here let's yeah. put a collar under your boobs yeah it's yeah. it's like a little a little horny for the princess of <laughs> belgium i would yeah. i would think but yeah there's sort of like another i guess montage where they're kind of drifting apart it's revealed that like people are going somewhere else for their dresses now because like he's out of fashion and he has this whole he has this whole like rant about the word chic (laughs) Chic. like what the fuck is yeah don't say chic around me yeah because so like he thinks he's losing it because of her and he he it causes him to question his choice to marry her and um i think that's what leads to the final uh omelet scene where because i'm not well, sure there's any other important character beats there there's like the the new year's scene there's the whole new year's thing where she somebody asks them where they're playing there's the backgammon thing which is kind of the first oh, yeah, time that was weird. He, yeah. he like actively is shitty to her yeah. because he's like thinking like she's the problem yeah um and um uh, so he's like really mean to her like very yeah. mean and then uh, like somebody like, you're an comes, idiot somebody comes up and goes oh i feel so bad for you you're married to a toddler to him right like right. talking about yeah. her yeah you're right <laughs> like and when he, he just he elicited just that yeah yeah like he fully like manipulated her into that reaction because that's yeah. you know he got exactly what he wanted and he's the toddler like in the oh, relationship yeah. you know he's the child figure oh yeah um and then at that same party uh somebody asks her like well what are you doing for new year's and she's like oh we're just gonna stay at home and then she gets invited to that they're like oh you really she's kind of flirting with this guy yeah that she's sitting next to for dinner and he's like oh, you must come to this thing it's the best best party it's gonna be so great and she's like well you know i think we're just gonna stay at home so then we're at home and she's like i want to go dancing yeah and he's like what you know and they get in a fight and she's like well i'm fucking going dancing so right she goes yeah. and i want to go to this new year's party what the hell was this party there's like a giant like kangaroo or some shit oh i know the, the biggest cowboy hats you've ever seen everyone's there's like a fight breaks out and yeah. <laughs> reynolds shows up because he's like i don't know why he shows up you know i don't know looks sure like he the awesomest why. party ever it does uh, yeah but he goes out to like confront her or maybe see maybe he's like maybe i do want to do this i don't really know why he goes yeah i think he was just wanting to be with her that was what right. i got yeah yeah he was just like i feel weird being at home by myself when i know she's there like yeah i'm gonna go and i don't i don't think he knew he had a plan right and then he goes and kind of like there's a fight and stuff so then he gets scared yeah so he's because he cares about her and runs down I mean, like, so it's like none of that stuff is like super critical, but it all just keeps building the complicated dynamic of the relationship and giving you insight into how they feel. It's yeah, just, yeah. it's, yeah, it's really impressive. The whole, the whole movie, how he does that constantly. The relationships, I think, in it. I, yeah. I guess that's PTA's strengths is just relationships between characters, whether it's romantic or whether it's antagonistic. He's really good at that um he's really good he really 
he understands people in a certain way. Yeah. At least in terms of creating them. I'm not like sure. a psychologist almost like, right. Yeah. You, you're invited to participate in the emotional reactions, the emotional worlds of these characters. You're really steeped in the character's emotion throughout all of his films. You know, you really get a sense of their motivations and what they're thinking yeah. and doing without yeah. words too. Like it's, it's all like, so much of it. Yeah. It's all just like implied through body language and eye contact. Which is like and, so hard. I mean, like, I know people know that it's hard, but if you've ever tried to make a film, whether animated or live action, or, or even oh, just yeah. write a script, trying the, to make people feel real, yeah, it's like it's like a like you have to be a wizard. That omelet know? scene is like the ultimate expression of that. I think like it's because you get all of the like. There's like malice and love and trust and fear and yeah. excitement and everything uh and they're not talking at all yeah. it's like 10 minutes of like no dialogue of her making him an omelet with these mushrooms that he's allergic to and so like he knows so and he knows they're there he's watching her do it and she is throwing in like a, a quarter pound of butter yeah well so much butter. right which is like a yeah. It's a callback. Like yeah, she's <laughs> like, you're gonna eat this. But like, honestly, I think this might be kind of like a kink thing. Like, this is like a coded subdom <laughs> relationship. Do you know what I mean? Like a uh, last tango in Paris kind of thing, or kind of, or like just yeah. actual like you know people that have like food. Like, food. No, no, no. Like a submissive and a dominant. Like you obviously don't know much about kink. It's fine. Oh, Neither do yeah, I. No, I uh, but you know some people like to be dominated and some people like to dominate and okay. there are more formal community of people like that now you know and there's all there's lots of terms and i don't know them all but like he because of his mommy issues probably yeah. likes to be he he resists it he's resisted it his entire life but his ultimate like kink is being dominated to the point of being willing to make himself physically ill, like the threat poisoned, of death. Yeah. Yes. Eating, eating an omelet that he knows is poison to him with right. glee and with tons right? of tons of butter that she right. Which had, again, she is like that's and that's her. She likes to dominate. Like, yeah, she's so they're settling into their roles, which were flipped from when they first met. Right. The power dynamic has completely changed now. Like yeah, and then like I think that they have both in a weird way found where they were supposed to be at least with each other do you know what i mean or yeah. it's like any relationship it, relationships evolve so it's like how do you keep the spark alive well they poison one another <laughs> and laugh about it while he shits his brains out or whatever yeah. you know yeah. like yeah the scene in the bathroom <laughs> yeah he's like well you better leave i'm about yeah. to hurl like yeah. stupor a lot so i love you honey <laughs> yeah it's yeah which also the, what do you think bow. the title means? Well, I read a couple things. Like one, one place I read said that that's like a an expression used by, like dressmakers. Or something. Yeah, people who sew for a living. That like, uh -huh. when you when you do it all day, you get into kind of like a state of mind, like being in the zone, kind of. Yeah, know? yeah. That that's one Whoa. possible explanation. And then like. 
another uh thing i read speculated that it was like referring to like the hidden um messages or the the hidden yeah. things in the in the seams like of the clothes uh, that... but i buy the first one more so that i like the more... first yeah i like the first one that yeah. seems like what paul like we i know paul thomas anderson so well uh <laughs> that seems like what <laughs> that's what he would do he like... likes to take things though you know from real life in a hundred years like paul thomas anderson is going to be one of like the five guys they first you know when you're studying film yeah like I think he's so, going to be yeah. one of the, the the dudes that they're like, if you can figure out how to do what this guy did, then you'll you will have a, a career that will be amazing. He just has a knack for psychology. I think it's just he you like tapping into something that ever like universal human experiences of. You in know, the in, in like the weirdest or not weirdest, but, you know, unique characters and unique yeah. situations, but making it grounded in a and in the emotions that we all have yeah and framing it with like a, a dressmaker or you know a, a novelty plunger salesman or something that <laughs> something you wouldn't think of like sure ju just like that gives it texture but somebody makes dresses i mean people make a living making dresses and they have like, yeah their... your character has to be doing something like yeah you know and then you you have this whole texture to the world that they inhabit like of yeah you're tapping into like something that's real and you know that that industry probably has its own lingo and its own lore and i i don't suppose that novelty plungers have like lingo but that seems a little too specific but oh uh, you mean fungers fungers they're not plungers they're fungers fungers <laughs> um no, yeah, uh, this and this one, another example of, you know, period piece like perfection too, in terms of like his oh, commitment yeah. to set design and all everything being period correct. I mean, his car, I want that car, whatever. I don't even know what that car is, but I, I, that car is amazing. This is the 50s, right? Like post -war, World War II. That was, yes, my post World War II. Yes. Cause I don't, I don't think that's really stated. It's just, no, you Again. just gotta kind of pick up on it. Yeah, yeah like because they the, do talk about the war. The there clothes, is some the clothes and yeah, there is a little. There's a, some hint of the about the war at some point. Yeah. This anyway. won an Academy Award for. Do you want to guess? What? Was it costume? Design? Yep. Yeah. Best costume. And talk about okay. So we're talking about main characters that couldn't be more different. Talk about scores yes. that couldn't be more different. Yes, I was gonna right? say like all the four films. That Johnny Greenwood did for PTA, they're so different. Like it's insane how good he's just like, oh, I'm just gonna have, I'm just gonna be a whole different person now. Yeah. Like the piano shit in this. Oh yeah. Like, is he playing that? Can he play the piano that well? Like, I bet he probably can. I don't know. I hate that guy. The I play music and he's just everything he does is like effortless. Yeah. It drives me nuts. Well, um, shall we do a segment called What Are You Watching? I think we shall, Bradford. <laughs> now it's time to do a segment we call What Are You Watching? What are we watching this week? What? Um, I'll, I'll go okay. since I keep, I don't know why the last few episodes, I could not remember what the hell I had watched in the last week. Yeah. <laughs> but now I have a, at least a couple of things to talk about. Um, 
I know I know how you feel about Stranger Things. It should have stopped after season one, which like I don't think <laughs> yeah. you're necessarily wrong. I watched the first episode of the new season. How is and it? Literally, I mean, it's fine. Um, they that's but the thing is, all the shit they did right in the first season, they keep doing the opposite of it. They keep keep making the mistakes of like sci-fi fantasy horror movies. Like, what's the number one thing you don't do? In a horror movie, Brad. Um, show, show the monster? Right yes, yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Don't That's show the did. monster fucking right away. <clears throat> you kidding me, Duffer Brothers? Is it the Demogorgon Jesus. again or is it something No, else? it's a whole other thing. You don't even know what it is yet. After I, mean, I only watched the first episode. I don't want you know, spoil it. I, but they show the fucking, they show it. Like, just clear as day. And it talks and shit. Oh, wow. First episode. You didn't see the Demogorgon until like the end of the no. first. Yeah, you saw like flashes of it or the silhouette, or you know, like maybe like a hand. Yeah. They did the good what every good horse like Jaws, Alien, the other ones. Like you don't <laughs> need to really show it like at all. Don't it, show it, the monster. Don't show the monster. Yeah. God, oh, your brain man. is gonna make it so much scarier if you don't know what it looks like. The fact that I came up with that off the top of my head, it's like right. That's- well, that's the but it's the number one thing. <laughs> you know, it's like ah. Uh, listen, I'm just watching it because I th- I lo- I have a crush on Steve. I yeah, love I, I love that. Steve's yeah. character arc in with all the other downfalls and everything. I, I just love Steve from being cocky dipshit and kind of saving the day and then becoming buddies. And now he's kind of like he was kind of a loser. And now he's, I just I just like Steve a lot. Yeah, okay? I like so Steve just too. Don't yeah. come at me. I just like Steve. I want to see how Steve's doing. That's no, I'll probably watch it. I've just been not excited about it because I wasn't particularly I excited about it either, but it's just like I, I want it to redeem itself. So I'm hoping there will be some stuff <laughs> in this season, you know, not that, that show, the last season wasn't like the worst. Yeah. Like no, the last I season was fine. It, it was like, there were moments where I yeah. enjoyed myself and, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit sick of the nostalgia and that, that's crazy. Just coming, like a lot of stuff that's coming from me. Cause, cause I love the eighties, you know, I love eighties right. pop culture, but, it's like, come on, at some point. Right. Well, at this point, the show is like almost making fun of itself. Is it even in the 80s still or is it the 90s now in the show? I think it might be the 90s. Because the kids are like in their 20s now, right? Right. But they're still, it is just the next year. Like now they didn't skip ahead or anything. Oh, oh wow. So the, the kids are, they look like grownups now. Though. Well, what they're, they had to do is like, they had to do like a 90210. So like. You know, these kids are like freshmen or whatever in high school. So now the seniors are like 40 year olds. Oh, man. Playing, <laughs> you know what I mean? To make them look young. I, I shit see. you not. Yeah. But there's a basketball scene. Yeah. And they show like a huddle of, of the basketball team. And I turned to Rachel. I was like, that one dude is fucking 40 years old. I shit you. One of the dudes who's supposed to be a high school basketball player. He's got he's got like a gray beard. No, I think I love but that. Though. He, like yeah 40 year olds playing teenagers clearly like like if that, if that dude's he has got to be at least anybody. like 35 like yeah. i think they were just like ah they, somebody didn't show up so they got the craft services guy to throw on because he fit in the <laughs> uniform or whatever the original concept of that show was it was supposed to be an anthology show where yeah like fargo every season is a different 
story right. with yeah, different I wish, characters. Yeah, I kind of wish they would have done that, but people just loved Eleven and the and people love the kids Harper and everything. Yeah, the kids were um, in the first season. They were very adorable. They were kids, and very, yeah, uh, and they were actually like the age they were playing. And, yeah, uh, they yeah, it was good. But now uh, they're like uh, thirty, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean they're like yeah. twenty something. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we both watched RRR, which my friend, shout out to Lauri in oh, Finland. You watched RRR as well, yes. Yes, I did. Uh, or really, is it R? Yeah, resorts, registers, and refunds. Wait, it's Rise, Roar, and Revolt. Revolt, yeah. Rise, Roar, Revolt, yes the weird like title things and the whole fire and water theme. And, Oh, I listen, would you believe it? Or would you believe it? I haven't seen a lot of Bollywood movies. I know. Yeah. I've seen a couple, but yeah, uh, this was good. It was, I mean, it gets, there's some slow parts and like, uh, you have to be prepared for like, imagine that it's like the craziest, like golden age of cinema, like musical you've ever seen kind of yeah. that that's wackier and has crazy fight scenes and stuff. Um, I mean, this movie, it literally has everything. Yeah. There's... You know, it has like insane fight choreography, dancing, singing scenes, super that dancing goofy. scene. Oh my God. That was yeah. So like funny. the dance fight scene. Yeah. It's great. And then the animal fight scene. The animal fight. Yeah. They, 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 there's a fuck. Uh, it's, I like at the beginning, it says all the animals are CG, but they don't right. just say, they don't just say that. They it's say like every the, all animal, the snakes, the tigers, all, yeah. the wolves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just to like, be whoa. just to make sure they don't. There's get a lot of animals something. in this. A lot yeah, of CG like, animals that look good. How the two like main characters meet. Um is just totally insane uh it's so insane and so goofy and so yeah. but like like you it's said like it's, it's oh it's like almost three hours long right yeah. um and it but I, th I think that's common for yeah. bollywood films um because they, they 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 really want to there's a trend where they want to make giant like epic stories and yeah. oh man, they shit on. If you don't like the British, you're gonna love this movie. Oh yeah. Oh, they shit on the British. The British so are the villains. Oh yeah. It's, it's, and the, but there's also like a love story with a British woman, and the visual effects are just insane. They must have like they they must have the best effects houses over there because like no, they, it's I, like yeah, it's it's pretty nuts. Yeah, it's like better than Lord of the Rings effects like no and i mean uh even the stuff the stuff that you would think you they can't make that look like it's obviously not plausible right. but they it, they can't make that look not laughable yeah. like they do it throwing like, a motorcycle against a horse and it's just it, yeah and like throwing a tiger it's it's so weird and <laughs> it yeah because they're like superheroes kind of you know what i mean like they uh, they it's it vacillates between them being like regular people like oh i'm just a doofus who can't speak english and oh now i'm throwing a tiger yeah. like it's like <laughs> it's i i like it was kind of slow in parts but on the whole 
I it's like I loved it. I was like, well, I, I guess I gotta watch Bollywood movies. Like I was uh I had it on while I was like working. Yeah. So I'm like wasn't really paying attention. So I couldn't tell you much about the plot. Most of the dialogue's in Hindi. Right. Uh, but every time there was like an action scene, I looked up and it's real ridiculous. Like the plot is ridiculous. Everything's color corrected yellow. Very yellow because it's in yellow. the past. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's in the past. Yellow. So when things are old, they yellow. Duh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's... And then there's a the whole fire and water thing. And like there's these crazy inner titles, which look like uh they downloaded a preset or like a pre-made after effects file from like one of those sites where you can get like templates oh, yeah yeah <laughs> you know what i mean and then they just like customize it to their shit but yeah how about when they're like rescuing the kid from the explosion yeah that's when they like, like first main characters like meet and they yeah. like don't even talk but they know what they're going to do is ride a horse and a motorcycle at each other while holding a rope as fast <laughs> as they can and then jump off of them through an explosion <laughs> swing under the bridge pass each other grab the kid pass the kid off then pass a flag to the other guy who wraps the flag around himself to not get burned to death and then pass off and hold each other's hands and laugh 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 and become best friends it's yeah, like they, they communicate that to each other with a couple of nods they literally like, like just like nod like he, oh he like, okay he's I like guess that's what we're gonna do point 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 two hand signals that don't make any sense nod <laughs> yeah. Rawr, motorcycle horse <laughs> Like it's like it's any crazy. idea that the director had, he just was like, hey, "This we're doing this." Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like kitchen sink filmmaking. It's like yeah. we literally threw everything in this movie, and and it, we threw a tiger in the movie. Like, what didn't we throw? Several tigers. A lot. Of he tigers, literally yeah. threw a tiger. I mean, oh like, yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> and a horse, and a horse. Yeah, that was gonna be my thing. So. I'm sorry, I stole it. No, that's I've all right. Say, I've been. Yeah, no, game, we so. we got to talk about RRR. So that was. I, yeah, I would say, you know, just just fucking watch it, man. Yeah. It's it's nuts, and but it's awesome. Anyway. Well, uh, I'll record an outro, and alrighty, I think we got an episode. All right, gang, thanks for listening. My name's Brad Patello. Find me on Instagram at Brad Patello. Adam is Renaissance Grunt. Gus is Mr. Trout. Uh, give him a shout. We'll see you next week for Licorice Pizza.